There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy and robo-mod, <laughs> Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> I, I believe my stock response to that is beep boop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've been there before, haven't we? Um, why, why am I referring to you as robo-mod? Because... Um... The extra inch Discord has has gone through some dramatic transformations in the last week. The uh, mm. the season ended, and suddenly, <laughs> suddenly the Discord became a party zone. I think because of the the relief that the season was over, and uh, the activity has has dramatically risen. And I've had to employ the services of a a robot moderator to um, <laughs> to. Uh, handle the uh the misactivities of the children involved but what they've discovered is that the robot mod uh can play music so now it's like it's a dj and that just creates more chaos so uh yeah i've got a, i've got a question on mods do you think um do you think there'll ever come a time where a robot mod could manage tottenham hotspur that <laughs> this thing just like i've been created for football for fantasy premier league that it could just review how the players are training. So you still have coaches, but it would just look at how the players are training, sense how their body is moving. It would sense like the, the, the hormones as well. So it would know how they're feeling. And then it would just say, pick these guys. And then literally all the coach has to do is just hand them the t-shirt. Do you think we'll ever come to, because we don't have a manager. So maybe this is Tottenham breaking new ground of innovation of employing a robot manager. So I, I think you could definitely replace your whole physio team with AI, like pretty much. And I, I also think you could you could employ tech to uh, identify weaknesses in the opposition's tactical approach in real time. Oh, that, in that the very happens. near future, that yeah. happens. That's the thing. Interesting. Okay. I mean, it, it would be quite. You've got to cheap. interpret the data, though, right? You need someone. You still yeah. need someone there yes. to interpret. And this is why, like I say, you can replace your physio team. But you still need a human being to interpret the data and uh, and pass the messages on effectively. I think. Hmm. So, so you don't you don't think it's going to happen? Do you? you just shot me down? It'd be quite cheap to get rid of. You wouldn't have to. Um, wouldn't have to. <laughs> you just reinstall a new operating system. 
Again, I, I think it'd be worth it just to see certain parts of um, Coy's Twitter really react to um, a laptop, a real, an actual laptop being in charge at a club. It'd be worth <laughs> just for that. I like it. Mm. Um, um, Nathan, in terms of the the robot moderator on the Discord, um, good work. <laughs> uh, can, I, can I ask you just to sort of tighten it up around some of the behaviour, particularly that Jam Scones character? Uh, really I, troublesome. I find an excuse to warn him every day to try to tighten tighten the leash on him a little bit. But um, unbelievable, that he's guy. Rabid. Unbelievable. Yeah, he's the he's the he's the most chaotic of the chaos people. Seven hundred sixty three x subs now. This is this is why Discord's gone so wild. I think we had an influx of new mm-hmm. subscribers, and it's been great. Like, what's really nice is that we've got an introductions channel. And it's really nice to get to know people and understand their sort of Spurs journey and, and where they live in the world and what they do. And we've got a thing in there about their pets and, and what kind of food is eaten local to them. And it's, yeah, it's really nice. So let's start off with some Pochettino chat because it seems to be the the discussion of the moment. So Morgan C says, question for the pod that I guess will be moot if Poch gets ruled out. But I'm seeing lots of talk about what Levy will need to have learned about clearing out players, etc., for them to work together again. But what will Poch need to have learned, and has he? My heart is 100% Poch back, but I'm trying to be honest with myself about how annoyed I'd gotten with him during the miserable period of Sissoko in a diamond and all of our youth players disappearing and wondering how he would have changed his thinking since he left, or perhaps he doesn't need to, and it was all Levy's fault. Uh, Bardi, I've got a feeling that you might be... Um, I, I, I think you might quite like that question. Yeah, well, the thing is, I'm not Poch... How would you say it? I'm not Poch back in. So, yeah. So, I, yeah, maybe Poch back out. So I don't, I don't want him back. It just because, just because at Tottenham, we spend so much time thinking about what was and we always end up, we end up trying to move forward by going back to what was nice and comfortable. We've, we've seen it recently. Like we, we re-signed Klingsman when we got in a bit of trouble. We've gone back to Teddy Sharing and we've gone back to Defoe. And I think it's probably worth at some point in the future going back to Pochettino, but I think maybe this is still, it's still too close. And my, my heart still remembers the way it ended. And even though there were some brilliant moments there and he completely changed how we played as a football club and we completely changed totally as a club. I'm just, I'm just not ready for him to come back yet. I think, I think we need a, a new manager to take us forward and one that we can all get behind because at the moment we're already a little bit split on Pochettino coming back. So I, I think we need, I think we need a manager that can galvanize us and not have the history that Pochettino has with us. Okay, it's it's interesting. You you're not keen on Poch coming back, but Nathan ran a poll on the Discord, and the question was, who would you prefer to be Tottenham's next manager? And you gave the opportunity, Nathan, for people to select multiple managers mm-hmm. and see where it came out. And Pochettino was top actually by 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 nine percent. Um, Graham Potter was in second. Eriksen Haag was third. Antonio Conte was fourth, and Brendan Rodgers was fifth. Um, Nathan, where are you on this question of what Poch would have need to have learnt in order to make it make things better the second time round? Yeah, I mean, he's not a manager without his weaknesses or points of frustration for the fans. I think that it's been a good year for players going out on loan is is sort of an obvious one. Um, one of the things kicking around reports, and obviously the latest reports are that PS Young let him go. But prior to that, one of the reports was that one of his conditions is he would have complete control over transfers. And I just, um, I think that that's probably really bad. I don't think that is learning from lessons at all. I think that is using the situation to gain control. Um, I think Pochino is good at a lot of things within management, but I, I don't have 
from what I can tell, a huge amount of respect for his sort of um, talent identification within or without outside of the squads. Um, so that would be a point of concern if if Levy just says, well, I need to get him back in. In order to do that, I'm happy to hand over some power because um, I don't think that's necessarily a good allocation. Um, I think that you know a sporting director um, makes much more sense to have those kinds of, of reins. So um, that for me isn't a good sign that there have been positive lessons learned. Now, I still think that that makes him you know, one of the best choices out there regardless because it's not like we're in a great position with our, our transfers as it is. I think we're in an okay position. I think there are clubs who do things a lot worse than us. Um, and, and I also can't see leaving giving everything over, <laughs> of course, but probably a bit more. Uh, so, yeah, will 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 Pochino, have, will he be more happy to, to loan out young players? Um, he's not going to start, you know, making subs earlier like fans want him to or, or things like that. Um, and what what else? What else is he guilty of? Playing Kane in finals when he comes back from in, an injury, but like that's what everyone either side of him, you know, is always mm. going to do. Uh, what what are your points of, of, of frustration? What lessons are you hoping he's learned? So I, I wrote a, a short thing about this at the weekend. I actually had a really good conversation. I was on the Wicked Spursy podcast. They're um, based in Vermont. I had a really good conversation with those guys who were super friendly, by the way. And um, do listen to their pod if you get a moment. Um, but just to sort of reiterate some of the points I made there. I mean, I, I was very frustrated about the Winks Soko midfield under Pochettino. And I appreciate that was down to a combination of, of reasons, mm-hmm. like player recruitment, which you've already covered being a big one. Um, but that was an awful midfield and he just kept trying to make it work and it didn't work. And it was incredibly frustrating to watch someone be so stubborn and not learn from mistakes. Um, that won't be an issue this time around because it looks like at least Isoka will be on his way out, probably Winks too. Plus, he has Huibier, Lo Celso, and Ndombele at his disposal. I mean, obviously, he had Lo Celso and, and Ndombele at his disposal before, but they weren't the same players they are now in terms of how climatized they are to the league um, and how fit they were, particularly in the case of Lo Celso. Um, so I don't think that would be an issue second time around, but I definitely think there needs to be some concessions. I think the youth players is the obvious one. Uh, aside from his first couple of seasons, I feel like he didn't manage our youth at all well, and I would want to see him completely give up the aspect of managing the youth. Uh, so it seems like Ryan Mason is the person in charge of fixing loans and whatnot at the moment. Whether he continues in that role or not, I definitely want the role to be filled, uh, regardless of whether Poch comes in. And I, I think it's really important that someone who does that with and has oversight of the development of the club's young players post academy, post scholarship. Um, so that's that's a big one for me. But yeah, I mean, he definitely was very stubborn. We saw him be stubborn. He'll have to change the way he interacts with the domestic cups, I think. Um, and Bardi, that was a real bugbear for you as well, the cups, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just those, all those missed opportunities. And just had he collected a couple more trophies. I know it's, we keep talking about the bloody word, but had he done that, then it would this whole reign of him would have been seen differently. And I, I'm just, I, I was honestly quite surprised at how pro potch back you were especially after he just literally murdered the career of some of your favourite <laughs> You know, Edwards, people, Edwards is what, is he's about to be signed by Sporting Lisbon. So there was definitely a player there and, you know, Carl Walker-Peters and Skip, those kind of guys. But at least Skip got rescued before it went too far. But I think more than anything, I'm, maybe I'm just a little bit tired of talking about Pochettino. Mm-hmm. I've just, how much more is there to learn? How much more is there to say about Pochettino? He's not going to come back and all of a sudden change his footballing style. I mean, I, I'm ready for a little bit of a change. And maybe that's just me on a personal level. There's part of me that says, oh, maybe if Kane goes, it will get exciting because for sure we'll have something else to talk about. But 
if we get a new manager, if Conte comes in, all of a sudden, do you remember that buzz when Jose came in? And it, it was a buzz because all of a sudden it was something new and shiny. It turned out that the toy was faulty and needed to be recalled. But if we get Conte in, can you imagine how exciting it's going to be those first few weeks, trying to see what he does and waiting the summer and seeing who he buys and then the first game of the season? Even though part of me, the romantic in me is that that first home game of the season, everyone's singing his magic would be lovely, but it would be nice just to see something different and see Spurs try and progress. Because even though Jose was the wrong, wrong manager at the wrong time, you could kind of see what they were trying to do. There was some logic in Daniel Levy's decision, in his thought process. So I, I would like to see that repeated this time. I would like to see us go in on Odd Rogers or a Conte or even... Ten Hag, let's try something different. Can you tell us a little bit about Conte, Bardi? I mean, obviously we we saw him at Chelsea and he was very successful and then less so, but he was very successful initially. Um, he always strikes me as a manager who who needs a lot of money to spend, wants to wants certain play his own players, wants to uh, work with players of his choosing rather than the players already at a club. Is that fair to say? Yeah, he's very wedded to his style. And when he tries to deviate from his style, it doesn't work. So that early, those early months at Chelsea where he was trying to do something other than a 3-5-2, uh, 3-4-3 or however you want to call it, it, it was painful. And this season at Inter, Inter started terribly. They even crashed out of the Champions League, which is very typical Inter. But it was, wasn't until he reverted back to what he knows best. He, he almost like he tried to modernize himself. He signed, um, Kolarov from Roma and try to play him as a ball playing centre back to kind of make them a bit more interesting and more ball progressive. And that didn't work. Of course, I mean, you know, Kolarov would never be a centre back. Um, but there is, he is a fantastic manager. And I, re- I remember he took Italy to Euro, tw- Euro 2016. And that was a ragtag Italian team. It was probably one of the worst in, in my lifetime. I mean, even the team that Ventura drove into a tree for 2018 was, was better than that. And he took us to the quarterfinals and within a penalty shootout of getting past Germany. And he does that by like managing the players, getting them to buy into what he's doing and being very strict on his tactics and playing the 3-5-2, 3-4-3 sometimes in, in possession. And he's a very abrasive coach for sure, which is it's strange when you see, when you hear about him possibly going to Real Madrid. I'm not sure, not sure those players would be ready for it. But I think, I think at Tottenham, perhaps we need that kind of modern kind of dictatorial manager but with a modern twist and someone who plays good football and um, I think he could be great at all uh, it wouldn't last long because he doesn't seem to last long anywhere but for for two years two three years I think it would be great for us so we we talk a lot on this podcast about sort of um possessional structure and Conte along with with Sarri as well are managers who take sort of the structure to the extreme it goes beyond structure into sort of um pre-scripted maneuvers right and it's a lot of uh cones on the pitch it's a lot of training drills and and repeated patterns and um sort of unconscious decisions right and um and also like um achieving certain so like um (laughs) you play back to the keeper because you know where everybody plays from the keeper and you play over to the wing back because you know the two or three different patterns that you play in from the wing back right um and it's lots of lots of bounty one touch passes up through the middle and stuff like that because again um the number six receiving with his back to goal doesn't need to receive and then look and then think and then play he knows that he plays the pass to his left first time and because he knows that the player to his left is there to receive first time and then he's going to play his right. So there's a whole bunch of that. Um, 
And short to medium term, you know, one or two years, it's really, really effective. Um, it's not bad to watch at all. Defensively, they don't press, oh, Conte teams don't tend to press especially high. They tend to drop off into medium and low blocks and they don't mind sort of seeing games out in that way. They don't feel a need to have more of the ball than the opposition. Um, but when they do have the ball, they, they play some, some fairly aesthetic and quite effective, um, possession football. Um, the downsides of this method are are twofold. One is that teams know what you're going to do, right? Over, uh, you know, if they are preparing for you, they're watching the games you've played, watching the games you've played. Um, Conte's been in this league before. You can go away and watch um, Serie A matches. So um, his patterns are known and he's going to change them. He's going to tweak them. He's going to change them for the players he has. But um, there's only so much tweaking that's really possible to go on when you're sort of... Um, ascribing plays in this manner so teams can prepare right if the number six receives it and every time he always plays immediately to his left we sneak a man who pushes up to the number six's left as he receives the ball that kind of stuff and the other thing um just as important really is that it's not all that fun to train for two or three years right if you're doing the same drills over and over again and okay again there are tweaks because now the number six is going to play to his right or whatever and stuff like that um but it's lots of it's lots of sort of fairly uncontested um uncreative all the thinking is done for you training and i think that that just just wears on players and they lose interest in training that way um fairly understandably because they want to express themselves with their football rather than just be um morsels for conte to (laughs) dictate his football through uh, so those those are the upsides and those are the downsides. I think, yeah, if we want to play good football and be good for two years, Conte's there. I think that um, we probably need something more foundational than Conte, but I, I'm not going to say that like if we did sign him, it would be a failure. Not at all. Um, I think that we just we want to be in a slightly stronger position. I think that if <laughs> if we brought in Conte instead of Mourinho and also the stro- squad was in a slightly stronger place, that would have been a, a, a pretty smart way of doing things. But at this stage, we want something more, probably more long-term thinking. Um, and, and, and again, you have to, you, when you sign Conte, you have to say, this is a manager we're going to have for two or three years at maximum. We need to build our squad knowing that it's going to be a new manager in a couple of years' time. Um, we need to hand over power and money to him with that understanding as well and the thing with Conte of course as Buddy's already alluded to is that he's going to demand more than you're willing to give him especially if you understand those limits so um, I think for 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 chairman and for board members he's a difficult man to work with um, but there is there is good football to be had there with him I think I think so I mean I know the repetition of something can be pretty bad over a long period of time but we've we've gone from a team that doesn't have any kind of system of attack any kind of phases of play so I think, I think short term, definitely, but short term definitely would be a huge benefit for us. Um, I'm, I'm fully on board, but then I can, as like Nathan says, I'm, I can fully recognize why Spurs probably won't employ him. So I'd like to see an Italian managing Tottenham. Brilliant, man. Absolutely brilliant. So I, I, I go back to the chairman's message that came out pre, pre Leicester match. Um, and I, I'm, let me read you this, let me read you this section from it. We shall focus on the recruitment of a new head coach. We are acutely aware of the need to select someone whose values reflect those of our great club and return to playing football with the style for which we are known, free-flowing, attacking and entertaining, whilst continuing to embrace our desire to see young players flourish from our academy alongside experienced talent. And that just doesn't make me think of Conte. I just don't think he's necessarily compatible with that. I get that like they 
Chelsea certainly under Conte played some nice football at times, but I wouldn't say it was like free flowing football. Like Not you say, really. Nathan, it, it, it was methodical, robotic, and yet you know easy on the eye in in a robotic way. A bit like Man City are in a sense, but perhaps even less perhaps even less um, room for inventiveness than, than Man City um, so I, I'm just not sure how compatible he is so I was quite surprised by the link but I agree I mean for a couple of seasons he would not be the worst appointment in the world by any stretch he's clearly a good manager but, I mean you're right with City but asphyxiate games they strangle teams and just if, if you watch City you could, it's exactly the same repetition of movement each time and then occasionally De Bruyne has a bit of brilliance who's been able to switch something but City can be pretty one dimensional we saw that in the Champions League that when when Chelsea just blocked off the gaps, they had no idea what they were doing. It was like, like watching Tottenham against even Harry Redknapp's Tottenham against Wigan back in the day. They, hmm. they didn't know what to do. And that, that's what happens at the top level football. But uh, I think Conte would definitely get us working efficiently enough to, to be to be pretty good. You know, I think. What, what would he do with our defence, Buddy? <laughs> I don't know. Bury them under the stadium. Yeah. Part of me thinks maybe he'll do even be able to do something with. Um, with Dyer, I mean, he made David Luiz look like a pretty, pretty good defender. In that season, they won the, the league and they, they pulled, um, Espelicueta into a back three, I think, as well. And I can't remember who the third one was. Was it, was it Cahill? I'm not sure. I can't remember now. But, uh, I think, I think if you can get Tottenham, so when we were low block and counter under Mourinho, we had a defensive style and Dyer kind of looked okay with that. And even though I dislike Dyer, I still think if you've got a coach who can just manage the player, because physically, Dyer does have it. It's just, it's just a bit stupid. But if you can coach him to be better and to understand and be aware of his space, then perhaps there can be a defender in there. Maybe Conte is that guy to do that because he has experience working with some fantastic players. He's, what he's done with Bastoni has been great. Um, Scrinia looks like a solid player and he's worked with some of the best centre backs. There are Bonucci, Chiellini, Basali, those kind of guys. So yeah, I, I have faith that perhaps he could. You could coach something into dial. And Nathan, what about some of the other manager links um, left on the list? If, if we don't end up with Poch, where, where, are you, where are you at now with who's who's left? Well, I've got a couple of videos for you on Great Enforcer and Eric Ten Hag. Uh, have you watched them both? Yeah. Okay. Do you have any specific questions about either of those managers? I mean, I I just love I just love Graham Potter. Yeah, I know you I, do. I, I just I just love him as a person, now, as a coach. I, I yeah, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm very very much all in on Poch coming back, but Potter is a, a fine second choice as far as I'm concerned. I think he would do an excellent job with our squad. I really do. I think he he will make us play exciting football, but exciting football with patterns um, and and possessional structures. And I think we could have a midfield again, which would be nice. Um, yeah, and I, I, I just feel like it, his style meshes well with the players we already have at our disposal, whereas I'm not sure that's necessarily the case with Conte. Um, I mean, whatever happens, the, the manager will be announced tomorrow. It will be announced tomorrow. It has to be because... Really? Do you think? I mean, season ticket renewals are the third. And oh, right. Okay. Of the month and people are not... Renew- you you can't have... It's it's not Glastonbury Festival where you just buy a ticket without even knowing who's headlining. It's Tottenham Hotspur. We kind of need to know who's going to be playing the pyramid stage. And we don't know at the moment. And I haven't renewed. And there's plenty of other people who are waiting to see who will be cheering. Because I don't want to renew. Then all of a sudden, Steve Bruce is in charge. 
Interesting. I think it'll be tomorrow because I'll we'll have just got out a podcast in time discussing some various managerial <laughs> options. <laughs> yeah. Well that's where you're going with that. I'm just having a look at the latest odds. Uh you've got Lepetsky, got Rogers, who we talked about, a decent manager, a slightly dislikable guy. Uh not even dislikable, like he's fine. He's just like he's kind of cringy. He's a bit of a cringe yeah. lord. Um and also again, just like sort of uh unimagined unimaginative. Um acquisition because he's just like a guy who's been around the Premier League and done all right, you know, done more than all right, done well, but still. Mm. Um Christoph Gatia, um, who like has just won a league on, but like um <laughs> he's very Mourinho um in in style. If you look at the uh the underlying numbers for League On, Lil place like fourth or fifth. Um I think they got pretty lucky with their finishing um, I don't, maybe, like, did I already, did I already say this if I lost my mind? Maybe I already, maybe I said this in the Discord chat that, like, that Lille's last season is, like, the best possible version of what could have happened under Mourinho, in which he has two really good box defenders and they continue to be sort of overly fruitful on the counter attack for the entirety of the season. And I do think that Lille were probably better in possession than we were, um, quite a bit. So, um, not an inspiring, um, link there to be honest I think he's going to Nice he's meant to be going to Nice anyway so um, and then below him is uh, is Jurgen Klinsmann <laughs> okay that's enough manager chat isn't it if you yeah. start mentioning the name Jurgen Klinsmann in, in connection to the manager's job it's, it's time to move on <laughs> one final point I want to make is uh, I want to refer back to the, the discord poll that we had and um, down below other other has one vote on zero <laughs> votes is Roberto Martinez Wow, that would, that would be worse. I would not renew for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the correct... Well done, Discord. You've, you've all done very well there. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, so we're going to rattle through some questions. Firstly, actually, I wanted to just um, touch on a response to our discussion about Harry Kane last time uh, from Luke Wayne, who sent a couple of emails. Luke says, I agree with the notion that Kane as England captain and basically leading man of Tottenham, a highly multicultural area of London with severe economic deprivation, that he could and should speak up on matters. He is a very well media trained footballer, often repeating the same lines in pre and post match interviews. But the one time we were privy to Kane, the person, not the footballer, was the birth of his first or second child and he congratulated and celebrated his wife giving birth without painkillers. He was attacked online for his celebration of his wife's strength during childbirth as misogynist
misogynistic and worse so he clarified his comments and I think from then on he made a very conscious decision to be Kane the professional footballer rather than Kane the man as he witnessed firsthand the ridicule he would get as Kane the man slash person I didn't know about that actually that's the first time I've heard that but um it absolutely makes sense you know for for in terms of self-preservation of his brand um it's not what I'd want to see, but I understand why he's doing it. He wants to make as much money as possible during his career, so he avoids any controversy. Uh, the second point that Luke makes, and other people have made elsewhere online, is on the Ken Kane and we need to be men debate, which I think is important in wider society, is somewhat misinterpreted here. I agree saying we need to be men in the gendered stereotype isn't helpful and proven false in a multitude of instances. I'm actually writing about Soviet Russian women of the 1920s and their invalidation by the state, which is probably why this has sparked something within me. I think in this instance, it's not unreasonable for Kane to reference in this situation needing to be men. He plays in a sport that is divided by sex. We have men and women's football, which is why if he was Harriet Kane playing women's football, then he'd say we need to be women about Situation X. I think Kane refers to being men in the sense that the players needed to be adults responsible for their performances in this instance and their training. This is where I have some sympathy for Mourinho in the Delhi case because he was called out for poor training standards and Kane referenced teammates not really putting their weights in matches and not taking responsibility on the pitch. Not excusing poor tactics here, though on many instances. Delhi recently tweeted, happiest with the ball at my feet. A clear dig at Mourinho, but Delhi failed to take responsibility for his own performances that dipped and just because he is best, clearly for all to see, with the ball at his feet, doesn't mean he can give up trying or not take responsibility for his training and performance standards. Uh, Luke adds in brackets, honestly, it's where my Mourinho sympathy ends because it was a shit show. <laughs> and I thought they were good points that Luke made. Um, I, I mean, I'd, I would take issue with the um, the adults thing because I I honestly think if he meant adults, he'd have said adults or grown-ups. I mean, mm. it, was a, it was a choice to use men. But as, a, as I think I said on the podcast, I don't think that's Kane saying that. I think he's just parroting what Mourinho said. I, I honestly think he's literally just... He's repeating uh, a phrase he's heard over and over again in the in the dressing room, um, and also like just just be better in your choice of, choice of language. We're trying for a more inclusive sport here, and it's not helpful. Um, but also, like there is a there is a wider discussion there. I think about if if Kane thinks the issue, the sole issue is that they just weren't adult enough in taking responsibility. Like, I think he's missing the point of why Spurs failed so much. It's not like if everyone had just been a bit more responsible, we'd have been fine. I really strongly disagree with that. Um, I mean, maybe maybe that would have led to what Nathan said before, Mourinho having the most perfect possible season like Gautier did at, at Lille. But I think it's highly unlikely. I think there were many other flaws. And for Kane not to recognise that, I think, is um, is fairly typical of, of Harry Kane from what I've seen. But really good points and points well made from Luke, I think. Any any thoughts, either of you? Um, I thought I thought he made some good points. It's good to have a, a serious and adult conversation about it rather than just... Um, the usual stuff that happens on Twitter. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with you, Wendy. I, I I accept everything said in the first section on the topic of using the word men to mean adults. I I have heard this argument a few times. Uh, it's been made a few times on this topic, and I just don't really I don't really see it. I don't. I maybe I maybe I've just completely missed it. But I've I'd never heard a female footballer say we need to be women in place of we need to be adults. Um, even even if you just slide the word "grown" in there before men, grown mm-hmm. men, grown women, mm-hmm. I think that that changes things quite a lot. But sure. mm-hmm. using men to mean uh, mean adults just doesn't seem um, quite <laughs> honest. But I I want to let go of this topic now. Yeah, fair, yeah. completely fair. We've we've done it to death. We've really done it to death. Um, uh, what's Nathan's season review? Are you ready? You want my season review? Yeah. Nathan's season review. Here it comes. It was bad. 
<laughs> Join the Patreon for more great. <laughs> yeah. We yeah, there's no, there's literally no point doing a season review podcast. In many ways, we've been reviewing the season throughout the year, week by week. So I don't think we need to do a roundup, to be honest. Like um, uh, Nicky Bandini does on the on the in the in the Guardian, the Bandinis. I might I might do the Bardinis, and we'll do some alternate awards in the in the next. Oh, nice! At- I like that. Let's try I and like find that. a little bit of joy in, in the season that was, and. Um, I'll reach out to people for for, for nominations. Mm, that's a brilliant idea. Bardini's totally ripped it off. Because mine now. Um, whilst we're doing sort of corrections and follow-ups, Bardi, I thought this was a really useful point from James Allnut, who says, just a point on Eric Dyer. I don't think his decline is quite as miraculous as Bardi makes out. It happened immediately following his operation for appendicitis. Mm-hmm. I think Dyer said in an interview how tough it was to recover from that operation as he kept getting ill over and over again. Must have wrecked him as a player, worth noting maybe. And um, I thought that was a, a really well-made point. Unless your appendicitis is where all your football talent resides. <laughs> I'm going to disagree with that. No, but really? we, we've, we've looked at, we've gone back and we've looked at Eric Dyer a few years ago and he really does look like a better player. I just think that like it's, not that appendicitis directly has like undermined his core strength or whatever, but like, just that time out from professional football from elite football has just thrown him off and hey maybe in two years time or whatever he'll, he'll have put things back together um but we can't sort of we can't hope on that we have to <laughs> we have to assume that 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 he's just taken some permanent damage from the time mm. he was out ill and and uh, i have some sympathy for him to be honest he, re- he remains a mid-level premier league player which is a fantastic level like if you're looking at it but he's just yeah i don't think he's the center back to drive us forward He's on holiday with Ryan Mason and Harry Kane right now. Mm-hmm. Did you see the photo of the lads? I saw it. Next to their private jet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just looked like... <laughs> oh, bless him. Yeah, he just didn't seem to fit in the photo. But yeah, I, I do really like off-field Eric Dyer, I must say. I, I have a lot of admiration for him as a person. Yep. Yes. I would genuinely be really sad when he moves on. Um, Brian Edgecombe says, not sure the best way to put this, but I'm curious about your thoughts on the impacts that transfers have on the teams and maybe more specifically players. For example, most fans seem convinced that we should sell Aurier and Sissoko, but those two, those are Tongi's two best friends at the club. How is this going to impact him? What are the impacts of selling Gazaniga and Lamella on the Celso? Eric Dyer is well liked in the dressing room and connects with different groups. So how does selling him impact the team? Not sure if this is something Alex would have an opinion on, so he's referring to Alex the... Uh, Sports psychologist Alex Stoyle, who we've had on a couple of times, who's brilliant. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a worthwhile point. Like I think there's a, a real thing there around connections in the dressing room, but I don't think it's impossible to to regroup um, from selling players. It does definitely seem like Aurier and Sissoko are on their way out this summer. From I mean, Aurier has basically said he's leaving, and Sissoko's come as near as damn it to saying he's leaving. He's he's referenced new challenges recently. It seems likely that he will leave, and and yeah, I'm sure that will have an impact on on Tongi and Dombele, who is close with those two players. Um, but like he'll find he'll find another clan within the dressing room, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, this has been a good podcast because I can keep talking about Italy. But um, I, I was thinking about I was thinking about these kind of signing players to keep players happy. And obviously, in the in the mid eighties, late nineties, there was there was a rule in Italy you couldn't have more than three non Italian players in your team. So what you would find is a club would go out and just sign a couple a couple of Germans or a couple of Dutchmen or free Dutchman and they would do that to help that one that one non-Italian kind of settle in. Juventus had the two Russians. Roma went through a variety of Germans to help part to help keep Rudy Voller happy. 
You had the Mateus Klings with Bremer, Inter, Dutch guys I've mentioned. And um, it, it was a common ploy just because even Tottenham have done it. We um, we signed Ozzy Ardiles and then we signed Ricky Villa as well, just because he was probably cheap and Ozzy liked him. But it's it's a common thing to do it because we, we, we quite often talk about um, the right player and play. not every transfer works. You can sign the greatest player in the world. Man United could sign Forlan. And he's terrible. Then he goes to Spain and he does amazing things. He goes to the World Cup and scores loads of goals. And that's just, um, we forget that they're human beings and human beings need friends to help them, help them blossom. So I think there is something in that. You got to think who you're signing and how they will settle in. And it's all about building a squad, a squad mentality that players will, that will work and flourish in. Any thoughts, Nathan? It's probably something that we don't, um, acknowledge enough when we talk about players on this podcast. Um, it's definitely something that we do as a club. Like we've gone through our uh, our Croatian era, our our mm. French era, our Argentine and Argentine era, and, and stuff like that. So it's clearly something that's thought about at the club. We don't really talk about it that much. But I think that like the part of the reason uh, that I feel that way is that like build those relationships with the players while they're at the club. You know, do your your pre season um, team building stuff. Do good ones. Don't do naff ones. <laughs> You know, get the get Levy out of the room when you're trying to bond team members. <laughs> um, you're singing. You you have to. You know the the typical player standing on a stage doing some karaoke when they first sign. All that kind of good stuff. Um, and just try try to foster the opportunity to to build relationships because like um, while there are definite strengths like. Tongi arrives at the club and he sort of he knows his Okonoria and they share a common language and they can get on their friends. It's also sort of a cliquey element to that. Mm-hmm, and really mm-hmm. you want him to develop relationships with Hoybier and La Celso and Delhi and 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 you want to and get things going that way. So I think there are there is a small downside to those to those um sort of national identities as a connection. But I think um yeah, they can be helpful, but I also think just build good relationships within the team, you know? Uh, and do everything you can as a club, as a manager, uh, as a member of staff, as a player to to make that happen. Just thinking of um, Icardi and Maxi Lopez. And- <laughs> Jesus, yeah. <laughs> they signed two Argentinians and he settled into his house and tried to build, build good relationships that way. And one ended up stealing the other one's wife and yeah, getting tattoos of Maxi Lopez's children on his on his body. Yeah. Sometimes it can go too far. You can be too friendly. <laughs> I tell you who uh, who is getting who are getting on very well, and that is Roden and Bale. Oh my goodness, those two have some chemistry. Every time they are on screen together for the this the Spurs media bits, they are absolutely hilarious. They're like they're just really naturally funny together, and you can tell they're very close friends. Bale references in the most recent video that he's actual best friend is Wayne Hennessy. I have a few <laughs> raised eyebrows about that, uh, but uh, Roden seems seems like a decent decent character and, mm. and they both seem to get on very well so the Welsh Mafia is the, the new Croatian Mafia the new Argentine Mafia um, last question before we wrap up because we've got some fun we've got some other fun stuff to do which I'll touch on in a second uh, this is from Jake Sandler who, who is pleading with us please stop rating our bad players it's a huge issue because your acceptance of mediocrity leads to 10 other people's acceptance of mediocrity. It spreads like a plague, though different to COVID-19. It's fine for you to have an opinion, but here's mine. I've no doubt that Oliver Skip will be just like Harry Winks, obsessed by obsessed with by our younger fans because he's English and one of our own, when in fact he's not very good. Regalon is god-awful. Stop saying he's a really good player. <laughs> Tanganga is not good enough. Stop saying we've got a player there. 
like I said, the thing is, it's your the thing is your podcast, not mine. But stop accepting so many poor players. It's enough already. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to take in there. Um... I think Regalon's brilliant. I mean, I really do. I like he played terribly at the end of the season, but he's a good player playing badly. He's he, when he gets some structure, when he gets some instructions. I think we're going to see an absolute star in Regalon. I I completely agree, of course. Um, I, but I think there's a larger issue here, um, Jake. I think that you have. Um, you're putting sort of too much responsibility on your own opinion um, and and you seem to be making out and applying it to us as well. Uh, there's And you might think that it's more of a case for us, but we really are just podcasters who a few people listen to. We have no <laughs> sway over the fan base, right? So um, how you feel about a player, if you set high standards and what you've done here by making out that Regulon is god-awful is set absurdly high standards, that won't make the club and the players meet those standards that will just make you feel badly about them um i j- you just need to chill out mate <laughs> i don't really know what else to say like it's um yeah like there are underperformers in our squads for sure and 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 if you have issues with um if you think Tanganga's not going to make the grade i don't think that like that you're definitely wrong there but um i think that you're you're applying a um like a demand on players that that aren't aware of your existence and aren't aware of our existences and we can't um we can't use the setting of extremely high standards to make them better all we're going to do is frustrate ourselves with with how we feel about the squad well said yeah um yeah none of us know ultimately we just got to watch and see what happens uh and we all judge players in different ways i have this conversation quite often that we all look for different things in players so what i like in a right back might be different to what Bardi likes in a right back what nathan likes in a right back what i like in a central midfielder is definitely different to what Bardi likes in a central midfielder (laughs) Um, what I want a centre-back to be, I assume, is different. So we're all looking for slightly different attributes mm. in our players. You you scale that up, um, and like if you if you rate players based on those attributes and then scale it up across that player as a whole, then yeah, you're going to get differences of opinion. And, and I think that's fine. Like it's fine to think Regulon's awful. If you think Regulon's awful, crack on and think Regulon's awful. But you're not going to like make us not think he's good because you say he's awful like i i have watched regalon in every game he's played and every minute he's played the spurs and i think he's good so i'm not gonna just go oh no you're right regalon is awful isn't he so it's like people people got their opinions i think the, the key is to be open-minded to watch players as objectively as you can and if they have a p- patch of bad form don't assume that they're suddenly a bad player now um i think in many ways you need to focus on when they've been good and think how do we get that player back to that and, and that's that's the starting point yeah i mean football's been going 150 years and the reason why it's been going so long uh well professionally anyway the reason why it's been going so long is because everybody sees it differently everybody takes different things from it everybody's it's a it's a entertainment it's a sport entertainment and people see what they want to see and they take what they want to take from it there is no kind of uh uniform opinion on one player Riggy on occasionally he's got awful Reggion is occasionally brilliant but that's it he's a human being these aren't um these aren't characters on FIFA which will play a certain level they're not controlled by AI we spoke about AI at the beginning they're not controlled by AI they will constantly hit seven and a half and above it's just not like that in any walk of life someday you can bake a bread and it's great the next day it doesn't do shit um footballers are like that one day Harry Kane will be crap but that doesn't mean that Harry Kane was always crap and that's that, my friend, is life. One day you are beautiful, the next day you're old and ugly. And that's, that's how it goes. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. 
Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud, D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.